0: It's been a wild week in Washington, a wild week for politics, whether it's the uh, schizophrenic uh, uh, guy who doesn't know what the heck he's talking about during the um, Nelson Mandela funeral, or it's the interpreter standing next to him. It's been a crazy, wild week. And here to make it all make sense is our good friend Steve Hayes with the Weekly Standards. Steve, how's it going?
1: I'm not sure I can do that, but I'll try. (laughs)
0: Well, we we can either begin with the current state of Obamacare and the testimony yesterday from Kathleen Sebelius, which I don't think left anybody happy. Maybe I'm wrong, or we can talk about the budget deal, which uh, the Weekly Standard, you know, uh, Bill Crystal wrote. It's not the world's best deal, but just take the deal so we can move on and fight a different fight. So, Steve, take him away.
1: Well, yeah, I, I mean, I'm with Bill basically on the on the budget deal. I think that's the smart argument here, and it's interesting to me because. At the Weekly Standard, we were pretty forward-leaning on the moves that Ted Cruz and Mike Lee and others made over the course of the summer and in the early fall to include Obamacare as part of the debates this fall on the budget, on the debt ceiling, things like that. We didn't necessarily agree with sort of their ultimate uh, objective in, in that they were trying to defund Obamacare rather than delay it, and we have some differences on tactics, but we thought it was important that Obamacare be part of that debate. Because we thought it was going to be a disaster, uh, and we were going to witness something that could have been the collapse, although I think even we didn't think it would be this bad. Um, and I think for those, for that very same reason, we think that it's probably better at this point, even though this isn't a great deal. I don't know many people who think this is a great deal. Um, but, you know, is it a better deal than we could otherwise? have hoped for, probably, uh, given the, the state of our government, given the fact that Barack Obama is in the White House, Harry Reid is the majority leader in the Senate. Um, it doesn't have everything, but by getting past this deal, it allows everybody to return and continue to focus on the uh, sort of running disaster that is Obamacare.
0: And I agree with you. This is an opportunity to talk about what Republicans want to talk about rather than let President Obama and the Democrats paint them into a corner where they're taking positions that they can't maintain and you have that whole fight about the conservatives versus the mainstream, blah, blah, blah. Take take the fight to them on Obamacare. Set this fight aside and then win it when you've got, if you can get one, a majority in the U.S. Senate. Yeah,
1: I I think that's clear. And I think it's, frankly, I think it's crazy – for, you know, people who I usually agree with, I mean, ideologically, I'm pretty, pretty closely lined up with a lot of the, the Tea Party groups and and the conservatives in Congress. Um, I think it'd be crazy to make a huge fight about this. I understand people who, who say, look, I can't support this. It doesn't do what I want it to. I don't like the increased airline fees, you know, call them taxes, whatever you want. No. You know, there are reasons I can't support this. It doesn't do enough on entitlements. Fair enough. I get that. But... If anybody's inclined to make this a huge fight or sort of die on this mm-hmm. hill, I just think that's a mistake in prioritizing uh, what what's most important. It, this right deal now, is
0: too small; it is peanuts. you are talking about five percent,
1: exactly. And look, you know, the other thing to be clear about is this does not cancel the sequester. I've heard some critics of the deal say that this cancels the sequester. What it does is it cuts out part of two years of the sequester. It does not cancel the sequester. So if you look at the trajectory of post-sequester spending, there's a little bump over the next two years, and then it basically goes back to the same same place. So, you know, like I said, nobody's thrilled about it. Certainly every conservative in Washington and outside of Washington would not want to do something like this if... Republicans controlled Congress, controlled the White House, but they don't. So you take the deal that you can get and continue to focus on Obamacare. And look, Republicans have to be doing big things on Obamacare right now. This is not a time for Republicans just to be standing back and watching the collapse of Obamacare. It seems to me there's a short-term necessity and a long-term necessity. In the short term, we know that people are going to be without health care after January 1st. There are going to be people who fall through the collapse, fall through the cracks when The system, in effect, collapses. What are Republicans going to do to help that? And uh, at the same time, what's the big sort of long-term Republican alternative to Obamacare? People are looking at Obamacare... They don't like it. They don't like it even more than they than they didn't when it was just theoretical. Sure. Now that it's being put in practice, they really don't like it. But so do Republicans, they? Republicans, I think, have an opportunity to make a big case
0: here. We're talking to Steve Hayes with the Weekly Standard, but the question, Steve, is do they dislike Obamacare enough to make them like Republicans? And I'm not sure— <laughs> <laughs> We've reached that point, although you got to give Team Obama credit. They are doing everything they can to make every rational person run away from them and their leadership. What did you take away from Kathleen Sebelius' uh, testimony, other than it's an insult to Korea to say that talking to her is like talking to the North Koreans?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I, it was such a, a, a display of ineptitude. Um, I think it was just consistent with the way that, that we've seen this administration handle this entire thing. The thing that really jumped out at me, though, was her acknowledgement that, uh, that the administration and the insurance companies are still doing what she described as hand-matching because the data that's coming out – not all of it, but a lot of it, uh, that they are, they've found the need to go and actually literally manually review <laughs> to make sure that the, the data that comes out of the system is the same as the data that went into the system and that people who have put in their information are in fact going to be covered on January 1st. I mean, this is, that's crazy! Come on, Steve. It's, it's, only, it's only
0: they only are expecting 3.3 3 million people. What's the problem with going through them one by one? What's the, come on? Haven't you and your friends ever gotten together to lick stamps for a political cause or stuff yeah, Christmas exactly. cards? It's the same. They'll all get together at Kathleen's house and they'll have some popcorn and maybe put on a video, you know, romancing the stone, whatever. And then they'll do the little. It'll be great, Steve. Not a problem.
1: Well, as, Char, as Charles Krauthammer said last night on Special Report, this is. It's not like this is even you know, 20 twentieth century technology. This is like nineteenth century technology. I mean this is a this is a problem. And look at the beginning, if the, if there were just little problems, some hiccups, you know, the back end data wasn't full or what have you, and you needed to go back and review it, well that was the responsible thing to do. But you're talking now about an administration that thinks that they're going to be getting between now and you know the end of March something on the order of six million New enrollees. You can't possibly sustain that. It's not workable. So either they've got to come up with a huge fix of this very uh, troubled back-end data, um, these 834 forms that are still problematic, or you're going to have to basically hire (laughs) millions and millions of people. And have them hand check the stuff. It's crazy. What's well, a job I program? Think we're even having this conversation It's re- absurd. But remember, we
0: were told by uh, Nancy Pelosi that Obamacare would create four million jobs eventually, four hundred thousand immediately. Those four hundred thousand, maybe this is them—the four hundred thousand people we pay <laughs> to do. sit and go the through counter. the paperwork. There you go. We <laughs> just hire them all, and it's all going to be. You know,
1: you you ought to be a little careful about suggesting Uh-oh. that. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, one last question for you, because once again you get to talk to people on both sides of the aisle. You talk to journalists who are on the left, et cetera. What do the people who were, you know, carrying the throne for Obama two years ago, three years ago, what are they saying now? What is the, is there any defense left?
1: Well, I think they're sort of in disbelief. You know, a lot of them think that the problem is isn't so much with the construct, the system, mm-hmm. the ideas, uh, as it is about the the execution of those ideas. Um, and, and that if only they'd had competent people and if only they'd been in front of it and if only they'd run the test and if only this and if only that, then everything would be fine. Of course, my argument is no, that's not true, you know, the nature of this, this program. I mean, the, the, the very concept of, of Obamacare of these kinds of reforms requires a lot of what we're seeing now. So it could have been very competently executed and you still would have had something on the order of several million cancellations of policies in the individual market, because that's part of the system. It's a feature. It's not a bug. Right, And, and but, you but are d- going to have other people being thrown off their insurance by their employers because there are incentives for employers to do that. I mean, the, the incompetence only explains so much beyond hmm. that. You're talking about the actual, uh, idea, And I think the idea is flawed. And, and I think you're getting people who are coming to that view, although I think the focus among many of my friends in the media is if only they'd done this. this Steve
0: better. Hayes, I've heard they've got an emergency plan in place. They've found the perfect person to replace Kathleen Sibelius He was a interpreter for the deaf in South Africa, and they just hired him <laughs> at a great price. Steve Hayes, thanks so much for joining us. We really appreciate your time. Thanks, Michael.